Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. All right, Milestone Church, it is so good to be here with you guys today. I am grateful to be back hanging out with you guys. I love Milestone Church and what God is doing in this place. Uh, Whenever I come and hang out with you or hang out with some of the people on your team, it, it feels like home and family because Valley Creek and Milestone are so similar in so many different ways. And we've been so excited for you in this last season. We've been cheering you on. We've been inspired by you. And and, and I just want to tell you, I am so grateful for Pastor Jeff. He's been such a good friend to me. And, and I know you guys know this. You have an amazing staff team that loves you and serves you incredibly well. I mean, they are, they are worth celebrating because, man, they are doing an amazing job. And what an exciting season it is to be here at Milestone. Like it's a season of growth and movement and opportunity and blessing. And so I just want to give you one word of encouragement this morning. I just want to tell you this. When the river of God is flowing, just jump in. Don't stand on the sidelines and let it pass you by. I mean, when God is moving, there is a moment in time to just say, I'm just jumping in and I'm going to let it take me wherever it's going to go because it is moving in this place. You can feel God's spirit moving. And if you'll jump in and let God take you to a new place, it will be absolutely incredible because this is a season of growth and movement and blessing here at Milestone Church. And it's awesome to be a part of it. But the question I want to ask you is, is did you ever stop and think, like, like how did all this happen? Like, how did you get to where you are today? How did you both as individuals and collectively get from where you were to where you are? What I think is really cool is, is that I think you got to where you are today by simply following the cloud. I think you listened to God's voice and followed by faith and took your next step. And while that may not be vocabulary you're familiar with, it really is the key to an abundant life full of freedom. And it's what I want to share with you today. You see, Exodus 13 really is two verses that have captured me over these past few years. It says, by day, the Lord went ahead of the Israelites in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So that they could travel by day or night, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. I love this verse because it really tells us how God leads us through life. Let me set the context of the story for you. After 400 years of Egyptian slavery, God looks down upon his people and he says, I have seen their misery. I have heard their cry. I am concerned of their suffering. So I have come. Love that. I have seen their misery. I have heard their cry and I'm concerned of their suffering. So I have come because the heart of God is always drawn to the cries of man. And so what God does is he raises up Moses, this deliverer, sends him to confront Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And in a few short days, God sends the 10 plagues, defeats the entire Egyptian nation, sets his people free, begins to lead them to the promised land. But did you ever stop and think, how do you lead more than a million people from Egypt to the promised land? Like, how do you get a whole bunch of slaves and lead them into their destiny? Like, I don't know about you, but it's hard enough to get my family to church on time in the morning. Like, how do you lead all those people? You give them a cloud. Of all the ways that God could have chosen to lead his people, he chose to do it through a personal and present cloud. Because that's who God is. Intimately personal and ever-present. 
And from within this mighty cloud, he spoke with the gentleness of a whisper. Follow me one next step at a time. When I move, you move. When I stop, you stop. Where I go, you go. Keep your eyes on me and I will lead you to discover who you are, who I am, and what you were created to do. And that's exactly how I believe God invites us to live our lives today, following him one next step at a time. You see, the Old Testament cloud is simply a physical picture of a spiritual truth. Today, the cloud is not above us, it's within us, and his name is the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In other words, the Spirit will never leave us nor forsake us and guide us on the best possible path for our lives. And even though we may not always understand it, we can be confident that wherever God is leading us, he's taking us out of our bondage and into his freedom. And so I just want to share with you a few thoughts this morning on what it looks like to live a lifestyle of next steps, following the cloud into a life of freedom. And the first thing I want to tell you is this, is that God leads us in small steps, not giant leaps. Like how many of you have heard the term before a leap of faith? Has anybody ever heard that? Come on. You ever heard the term a leap of faith, right? Okay. I'm not so sure about that. I know it sounds really good. I know it sounds really spiritual and super churchy, but I think if you really read through the scriptures, God leads us in small steps. And every step he asks us to take builds our faith and gives us the faith for the next step. Like the Israelites didn't leap from Egypt to the promised land. They took a thousand little steps. Abraham didn't leap from where he was to offering Isaac on the altar. He simply started following. Noah didn't leap from where he was to loading the ark full of animals. He simply started building. And Peter didn't leap from fishing to preaching. He simply started moving with Jesus. They just took the next step in front of them and started to follow God's presence as it moved through their life. You see, I think life with God is a whole lot like the game Connect the Dots. Do you remember those when you were a kid? My eight-year-old girl, she turns eight today. Today is her birthday, and she loves Connect the Dots. And, it, and if you remember it, it's a piece of paper, and it has all these dots scattered all over it, and it looks like chaos and random order, and every dot has a number next to it. And your job is to simply start at number one and connect it to two and three and four and five and six in the order that they're laid out for you. And as you go in order and connect them all, eventually as you get towards the end, the aha moment happens and it pops. You're like, oh, it's a unicorn, you know, or it's a zebra or whatever it is. Okay, well, listen, that's how I think God invites us to live our lives. Unsure of the final picture, but with the courage to simply take each step he gives us in the order he gives them to us. And the goal isn't to just finish the picture, it's to enjoy the journey and discover the mystery. See, I'm convinced that I think God, usually what he does is he tells us the direction that we're going and the next step that he has for us. And that's about all. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. In other words, God promises he will be a lamp to show you your next step and a light to show you the direction that you're heading. And that's usually all he'll show you because he wants you to be desperately dependent upon him. Withholding all the details forces us to trust in him instead of trusting in ourselves. In fact, I love this. John 16, Jesus says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't handle it. 
When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. In other words, Jesus says, hey, I can't give you all the details of your future because it would knock you up into a worry ward. He says, all I can tell you is your next step. And I'm going to tell you what, the Holy Spirit's going to come in your life and he will tell you what you need to know exactly when you need to know it. I mean, can you imagine if God would have told you everything that's happening in your life today, 10 years ago? How about five years ago? How about one year ago? It would have so overwhelmed you, you wouldn't have known what to do. And so God says, okay, I'm just going to tell you what you need to know exactly when you need to know it. In fact, maybe let me say it to you like this. God speaks to us in sentences, not paragraphs, because you can only obey one sentence at a time. He speaks in sentences, not paragraphs, because you can only obey one sentence at a time. Like, do you remember the story in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus called Peter? I love this story. Here's Peter. He's been out fishing all night, and it's another night of failed fishing. So he's on the shore with his boat, cleaning up his nets, putting everything away. And, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but the Gospels paint Peter as a really bad fisherman which is really bad news if you're in the fishing business. So I'm just saying, it doesn't usually go all that well for Peter. And there he is cleaning everything up, and here comes Jesus walking along the shore, and he looks at Peter, and he just says, Hey, Peter, can I borrow your boat? That's it. One sentence, one step, one dot. Can I borrow your boat? Okay, Jesus. Jesus gets in the boat and says, Okay, Peter, push it away from shore. Okay, pushes it away from shore. Jesus stands up, a big crowd develops, he preaches an amazing sermon, and then when he's done, he says, now Peter, push it out into the deep water. Okay, Jesus, rows it out into deep water, and then Jesus says, now Peter, throw your net over the right side of the boat. This is when I think Peter looks back at Jesus and says, Jesus, like, like really, man? We've been out fishing all night, we haven't caught anything. You're a carpenter, what do you know about the fishing business? Throw your net over the right side of the boat, Peter. And he throws it over the boat, and as he pulls it in, it becomes so full of fish that the thing begins to break. And then he looks at Peter and says, Peter, from now on, you won't fish for fish. You're going to fish for men. He spoke to him in sentences, not paragraphs. But now imagine that same story. Peter's on the side of the shore taking care of his boat. And here comes Jesus. And imagine if Jesus spoke to him in paragraphs. Imagine if this is how the Gospels presented it. Hey, Peter, my name's Jesus. Here's what I'd like to do. I would like to borrow your boat. I'm going to ask you if I can get in it, and then I want you to push it off from shore. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to preach a great message. When it's over, I'm going to ask you to push it out into deep water. And when we're out there, I'll ask you to throw your net over the side of the boat. And when you do, it's going to be so full of fish, the net's going to begin to break. And in that moment, the best day of business you have ever had in your entire life, I'm going to ask you to leave it all and come follow me. And oh, by the way, Peter, when you follow me, it's not going to go all that well for you. You're going to make lots of mistakes. In fact, most of human history is going to remember you for your failures, Peter. Like, you're going to be the brunt of every preacher's joke every Sunday morning for the next 2,000 years. And, and you're going to deny me to a servant girl. Then I'm going to die. And then you're going to have to stand up and preach a gospel to a bunch of people that want to kill you. You in, Peter? No, you can't borrow my boat anymore, Jesus, right? No, sentences, not paragraphs, because we can't handle the paragraph. 
You have to remember in the kingdom of God, we don't understand and then obey. We obey and then we understand. We have to release our need to logically understand what can only be discovered by faith. That's why Jesus says, come and you will see. The aha moments only are available to those who follow by faith. But, but how many of you know that, that the steps God asks us to take, they don't always make sense. He usually says, that's the direction that we're headed. Here's your next step. I want you to take it. Um, oh, okay. Okay, now take this step. Okay, now take this step. Okay, now take this step. Um, but Jesus, you said we were going that way. I know, but take this step. But Jesus, I thought we were headed in that direction. I know, but take this step. But I don't really like that. Take this step. Okay. And then he says, now take this step. But Jesus, you said we were going that way. I know, but take this step. But Jesus, I thought we were going that way. I don't like this step. I know, but I want you to take this step. Ah, okay, Jesus. And then here's where it gets interesting. He says, now I want you to take this step. But God, that's backwards. You promised me we were going that way. I got a promise from you by faith. I've been holding on to it. I know, but do you trust me? And what you have to remember is, is that God's detours are always faster than your freeways. Every one of us has to make a decision on how we're going to live our lives because Proverbs 16, 25 says there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it only leads to death. Paraphrase. What looks good to you is usually the worst possible option. What I've discovered in my life is, is that the steps that I want to take are usually the ones God's not asking me to take. If God's ways are higher than our ways, then his wisdom or, or his steps will rarely align with the wisdom of this world. He will ask you to give when you want to take, serve when you want to be served, forgive when you want an apology, stay when you want to go, go when you want to stay. Heavenly wisdom doesn't always make sense in earthly circumstances, but it will always lead you to life. Let me tell you about the first time I really experienced the cloud moving in my life or kind of started to understand this concept of next steps. Uh, my dream in life was to be a police officer. That's really all I wanted to do. And so all through college, I prepared, I, I trained, I studied, I did everything that we needed to do. And, and, and so when I got the call one day saying that I had been accepted by a, a police department, man, my life was so filled with hope. I had just graduated from college and for six months, it was like my whole world had fallen apart. The girl I thought I was going to marry broke up with me seemingly out of nowhere. And then I was out on my dad's two brand new jet skis and my friend zagged when I thought he was going to zig and I zigged when he thought I was going to zag and I T-boned him at 30 miles an hour, put him in the hospital and sunk two brand new jet skis on the Niagara River. Uh, I then watched a lady crash her car and ran up to it and held her in my arms as she took her last breath. I, I got shot in the leg with a nail gun on a construction site and Probably need to admit to you, I was the one that accidentally pulled the trigger. <laughs> Wasn't a good day. And I ended up in the emergency room so many times that they knew me by name. So when the call came saying that my dream had finally come true, we want to offer you the job, I was so filled with hope. And I remember that as I hung up the phone, I had this experience that I'd never had before. I heard this little whisper inside me say, you know this isn't what I have for you. <laughs> Wait a second, what was that? I must have eaten some seriously bad pizza last night because I ain't sure what the heck that just was. Then again, you know this isn't what I have for you. What on earth is going on? This, this is crazy. Again, you know this isn't what I have for you. 
The door is open and you can take it if you want, but you've seen how life turns out when you do things your way. And I remember sitting there thinking, you have got to be kidding me. For the first time in my life, I'm hearing God speak and he's taken away my dream. I remember sitting there thinking, God, don't you know how much pain I've just had? Don't you know what I've been experiencing? Don't you know how much I've hoped for this? Like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I said out loud, I said, then what, what do you have for me? And you know what I heard? Nothing. The sound of crickets. Why? Because God speaks in sentences, not paragraphs. And so for a week, I wrestled with this knowing it was God and finally found the courage against all reason, declined the offer, hung up the phone and said, okay, God, now what? And for a week, I thought I was going crazy. And I heard nothing. I didn't know what to do with my life. I asked people. Some of them told me, you were going crazy. That was bad pizza. Pick up the phone and see if you can get the job. I mean, I had no idea. And then all of a sudden, that little voice again, I want you to be a pastor. Dear Lord, you have got to be kidding me. That is the worst idea I have ever heard in my life. I don't want to be a pastor. I just heard your voice like for the first time last week. I, I don't, Christians are boring and miserable. Pastors are angry. They yell at people all the time. I don't like church. I don't even go to church. You got the wrong guy. I'm calling the department back. I want you to be a pastor. And I knew it was God. And so by his grace, I found the courage to take this little step and say, okay. And I went to graduate school. And the next step, I met my wife, Colleen. And then the next step, got hired by a church. And then the next step, I got to move to the great state of Texas. Come on, you Texas people, right? I'm from Buffalo, so I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how to live in Texas, right? And then had my kids and then became the lead pastor of Valley Creek. And now here I am today with you. And that one step changed the entire direction of my life. If you would have told me 15 years ago I'd be hanging out with you today, I would have taken the police job. <laughs> Not because I don't want to hang out with you, but because you can't handle your future in the present. You can only deal with what God is putting right in front of you. Proverbs 16:9 says, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. I have learned that God's steps are always better than my plans. Jesus is the narrow gate that leads you to the wide life. Following him doesn't constrict your life. It expands your life. Because he's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to give everything to you. But you have to let go of what's in your hand if you want to discover what's in his heart. Come follow me, he says. Where are we going? You'll see. How long will it take to get there? A while. Will it be easy? No, but I will be with you. What will it be like when we get there? Better than you can even imagine. Steps, not leaps, okay? Second thing I want you to get is this, is that each step is designed to help us discover who we are, who God is, and what we were created to do. But when we think about the journey of the Israelites going from Egypt to the promised land, we almost always think that the whole goal was just to get them into this new land. But that actually wasn't the point. I mean, if it was, God would have led them very differently. He would have said, pass, go, collect $200, skip the Red Sea, skip the giants, skip the manna, skip the desert. God could have teleported them there. He could have flown them on planes that didn't even exist. He could have picked up the promised land and brought it to them. But that's not what he did. Why? Because the goal wasn't to get them to a new land. The goal was to help them learn to live free as beloved sons and daughters. 
each step he asked them to take was an invitation towards emotional, relational, and spiritual freedom. The journey was the process. Freedom of the heart was the outcome. And the same is true for you and me today. Life is not about where you go, what you do, or what you accomplish. It's about who you become. And the journey of next steps is the process that brings us to this place of living free as beloved sons and daughters. And just like God led the Israelites that way, he leads us that way. In fact, there's three places that I think God invites us to take a next step. And and I want to share this with you. This, This graphic and this revelation has changed my life personally more than anything else. And so let me show you this. Everything begins and ends with the grace of Jesus. When we receive the grace of Jesus, it's not just the forgiveness of our sins. It's a complete transformation of our identity. In Jesus, we become a new creation, which means he not only cancels our debt, he credits our account. He forgives our sins, but he gives us a full share of his inheritance. We become included in Christ. In fact, that's why 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is in this world, or as he is in this world, so are we. As he is, so we are, which means Jesus is not a picture of who you can become. He's a mirror of who you now are. He's not a picture of who you can become if you try really hard, behave just right, do all these things just perfect. No, he's a mirror of who you now are. And so the more you look to him, the more you discover who you now are, which means we don't change by trying harder. We change by looking at Jesus. In fact, Romans 5.19, I think this verse is so fascinating because it tells us so much about who we are. It says, through the disobedience of one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, an identity statement. But through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many were made righteous, identity statement. So see if you can catch this. Through Adam's disobedience, we were made sinners, Which means when we were born, we were born into a prison of sin. And we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we were sinners. Your identity determines your behavior. But then Jesus showed up. And he rescued us out of the prison of sin and brought us into this position of righteousness. Because of his obedience, we now are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And just like there was nothing good you could do to get out of the prison of sin, there's nothing bad you can do to get yourself out of the posture of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're righteous not because of how we behave, but because we believe that we are now included in Christ. So we are more than sinners saved by grace. We are beloved sons and daughters. And as you get that, it moves you into the second circle. You take a next step in this area of experiencing his presence, a life of relationship with God. This entire life is meant to be lived in relationship with him, where you're fully known, fully loved, with no fear of rejection. We don't serve a distant God. We walk with a loving father who promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. And as we begin to experience his presence, it moves us into the third circle where we get to release his kingdom or live a life of purpose. Genesis 128 is the first words that God speaks to mankind. And he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, using its vast resources in the service of God and man. Okay, we hear that verse and we think that means have a bunch of babies. Okay, yes, that's one translation. And some of you like that translation. That's a part of it. But actually take that and break it down on purpose. Be fruitful. What does that mean? It means live a life of productive beauty. Bring things to the fullness of potential in your life. You were made to create, draw, paint, rule, reign, inspire, lead, do amazing things. Be fruitful and multiply. Reproduce the life of God in you and to the world around you. And then fill the earth 
or your area of influence with the knowledge of the glory of the goodness of God, then subdue things. Bring order to the chaos around you, light to the darkness, bring things into alignment with the way God would rule and reign if he himself were making that decision, and then use your resources to accomplish God's purposes in the lives of man. The kingdom within us is supposed to become the kingdom around us. We've been empowered to bring heaven to earth. We've been sent like Jesus is. We have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so if sin management is the goal of our lives, we are in danger of living a drastically inferior life to the one Jesus died to give us. It is so much more than that. And after we receive his purpose, or we start releasing his kingdom and purpose, it brings us to the center. And that's what I would call the father's heart. This is God's heart for you, the fullness of life, the abundant life that he offers us in Jesus. And that's where he's leading us. In fact, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus is the way, but the Father is the destination. Your promised land isn't a destination. It's a revelation of who you are, who he is, and what you were created to do. And I want you to see how these all roll together. Just just see how you can see this flow. When I start to receive his grace, I'll want to experience his presence and I'll spend my life releasing his kingdom. When I know who I am, I'll know who he is and I'll know what I'm created to do. If I believe I'm a beloved son or daughter, I will run to the Father and I will spend my life building his kingdom. When I know I'm forgiven, I will not be afraid of God and I believe I have nothing to prove. But now reverse it. If I resist his grace, I will avoid his presence and I will spend my life building my own kingdom. When I don't know who I am, I won't know who he is and I won't know what I'm created to do. If I think I'm an orphan, I'll be afraid of the father and I will spend my life building my own kingdom to try to become significant. Now, reverse it. A whole lot of us in religion have been taught that in circle three, we have to behave, do all these things for God so we can earn our way into his presence so that we can eventually pay for the sins and the mistakes that we have made. Or we spend all of our lives trying to build our own kingdom because we want to somehow become significant in this life and we think we are the ones that have to do it. This is life in the Father's heart. This is the cycle of performance And that is an exhausting way to live. And if you will read through the scriptures, you will find this is the pattern everywhere. The prodigal son, we talk about it all the time in church. He says, my son has come home. He declares identity. Father runs and gives him a hug relationship, gives him a robe, a ring, a sandals, purpose. Or when Jesus calls the apostles, he says he designates them apostles, Mark 3, identity, that they might be with him relationship, and then he sends them out to preach the kingdom. Ezekiel 36, I will remove your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, grace, that put my spirit within you, presence, and move you to keep my commands, decrees, and laws. Like this is the gospel. It is not just for salvation, it is for all of life. And if we spend more time talking about what we have to do than what Jesus has done, something is wrong because Jesus said, it is finished, not I'm working on it. You see, while we try to change how people behave, what God's trying to do is change what people believe. Because God knows who you are determines what you do. Your identity will always determine your purpose or your behavior. That's why fish swim. Birds swim fly. Help me out here. Cows, moo. Oh, that was a weak moo for this morning. Dogs, cats, 
Sinners sin, righteous people live righteously, beloved sons and daughters live free in their father's kingdom. God is trying to change what we believe about who we now are. And that's why we take next steps. I mean, when he set the Israelites free, you got to think about it. They walked out of Egypt. They thought they were slaves. They saw God as a taskmaster and they had been spending their lives building bricks for Pharaoh, the king of darkness. And so if God would have just picked them up and taken them into a promised land, they would have turned the land of promises into a land of bondage. So we had to give them next steps that were designed to heal and free their heart. And the reason I get so passionate about this, because this is like my life story. Like my whole life, I've been a performer. The deepest rooted ungodly belief in my heart is no one wants me for me. They want me for what I can do. It's embarrassing to admit. Sometimes it's even hard to talk about it. But as long as back as I can remember, that's what I believe. And if I believe you don't want me for me, you want me for what I can do, then, then I got to perform. And so I performed and I nailed it. I won lacrosse championships and awards and, and great grades and accomplished all kinds of things at a young age. And then I even got into ministry and I thought, oh, now I got to keep performing it and crushing it here. Because if I believe that about you, it's because I believe that ultimately about God. And the problem with performance, for those of you that struggle with that, is performance leads to more performance, which is an exhausting way to live. And so we live in circle three, working backwards, behaving better, trying harder, striving more. Religion tells you, run higher, jump faster. Instead of run faster, jump higher, because it's impossible to do what religion tells you to do. And so with every step I've taken, God is helping me learn to live in this freedom. In fact, Matthew 3, 17 is probably my favorite verse in the Bible. It's when Jesus gets baptized and the father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Catch this. Jesus is 30 years old and his ministry hadn't even started yet. He hadn't healed anybody. He hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't cast out any demons. He hasn't opened any blind eyes. He hasn't made any disciples. He hasn't done anything. And yet the father says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Not because of what you do, but because of who you are. If we are included in Christ as he is, so we are, then that verse is now true of us which means you are the father's beloved son or daughter in whom he is well pleased before you do anything right and even after you do everything wrong. You don't have to spend your life trying to get the world to say what the father already has. You are loved. We have nothing to achieve, nothing to prove and nothing to earn. We have everything to receive, discover, and explore. We are drawn by grace, not driven by expectations. And what I love about this church is that you guys are all about helping people take next steps. You want to see them move into the fullness of what God offers us. And it's amazing how sometimes we can think we're taking next steps for God. Here's what I want you to hear. You don't take next steps to do something for God. You take next steps so God can show you everything he has done for you. And so the question then that we ask is, well, how do I know what my step is? My encouragement to you would be just ask him. He's speaking. The question is, is are we listening? And I don't know what your step is, but I know every person, every one of us in this room, we have one. 
Yours might be just to come back to church next week. It might be to say, this is it. Milestone is my home church. I'm in. I'm getting rooted in this place. It might be to start serving, to start giving, to be a leader, to forgive someone, to give up your addiction, let something go, start something new. I don't know. And if you don't know, just go back and do the last thing you felt he was asking you to do. And don't be concerned with all the dots you should have or shouldn't have connected throughout your life. Jesus is more concerned with your next step than your misstep. Just do what's here now. You see, I don't know where you are, but I can promise you this, wherever God is leading you is better than where you have been. Like the Israelites, he has seen your misery. He has heard your cry and he is concerned of your suffering. So he has come. He has come not just to lead you out of your bondage, but to lead you into the fullness of his freedom, one step at a time. So will you close your eyes with me? And maybe let me just ask you a simple question today. And what do you think the next step is that God is asking you to take? I know sometimes those steps don't make any sense to us. They feel daunting and overwhelming. They feel chaotic and incongruent. But wherever he is leading you is better than where you have been. You don't have to do anything for God because he has done everything for you. We now follow by faith to discover the fullness of the life that Jesus offers us. Beloved sons and daughters, knowing who they are, who their father is, and what they were created to do. You are made for a life of being confident in your identity, being secure in relationship with a good God, being empowered to live a life of purpose bigger than yourself. And so Jesus, I thank you that today you are so aware of the bondage that all of us are in, that you have seen our misery, you've heard our personal cry and you are concerned of the pain in our lives and so you have come. And so Lord, I pray that we would follow by faith to find the fullness of the freedom that you offer. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 